Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about bending the rules. Oh, I thought we were talking about bad grammar. (laughs) Yes, well, both. (laughs) We're going to use that as a specific example. Uh, Yeah, so this kicks off from a cryptic email I wrote the other day entitled Bad Grammar or subject line Bad Grammar. And, And in it, I... I sort of, again, cryptically suggested that um, sometimes it would make sense to use bad grammar because, for example, uh, the person you're talking to would potentially underestimate you. And so in a situation where you would want someone to underestimate you, you might purposely use bad grammar. It was a lot shorter than that even. It was probably only a 12-word email. But I got a flood of of responses. Uh, you know, a few people, one, only like one or two people appeared to totally get what I was going for. Uh, most people were like, you're going to have to explain that. That would be unprofessional. How, how could you say that's a good idea and so forth? And then I had mm-hmm. one person uh, say, well, actually, it's poor grammar, not bad grammar. <laughs> <laughs> to, to his credit, okay. I think he was kidding. I hope he was kidding. Uh, he's not incorrect, but that was part of the joke. So, um, okay. So... When I wrote it, I knew it was it was a fortune cookie. It was it was going to be it was a thinker. That was the idea, and and I and it worked. I got people thinking. I love that. Uh, in my mind, it sort of was operating on three levels. The highest level was the most important one to me, which isn't specific to grammar. It's more about rules and 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 perfectionism and. A in a situation where you need to improvise or you're off book because you're trying to do something for which there are no rules, it can feel it can give people anxiety and they can cling to the rules that they do have as like an escape mechanism to feel like they have some kind of control or they're sure they're doing it right. Air quotes. But you could you know you could have it you could do a sales pitch or a, a sales interview and use perfect grammar throughout and still not land the deal. You know, it's like just yeah. be, just because you used either either perfect grammar or um, an impressive vocabulary, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You know, it's it's not going to get you the deal necessarily. There's got to be something more there. And when we are communicating, whether it's verbal or written, although I was thinking of this more verbally when I wrote it, but either way, when you're communicating, it's not to impress people with your verbal acuity or your, you know, perfect grammar or your impressive vocabulary. It's to produce action in the other person, the listener. So perfect grammar is not necessarily going to produce any action in the other person. Maybe bad grammar to the wrong person, like maybe bad grammar to an English teacher is going to cause the English teacher to be less likely to do the action you want them to do because it's it's distracting them from the message. So to me, it's more about what are you trying to communicate? How do you get that message across to the reader or the listener? And if you need them to, uh, if you if you think it will help to maybe use a little bit more poetic language or slang or maybe even drop an F-bomb depending on the audience, then do it. That's not like the rule, the grammar rules are not there to, I, I don't even know what they're there for. Honestly, I mean, they're there for some reason, but it, it doesn't have that much to do with persuasion or producing action in another party, as far as I can tell. 
Yeah, grammar to me is more about elegance and um, it's, it is about following rules and cultural norms sometimes, depending on the language. Yeah, that's but, good. Yeah, but I, I agree with your point. It's, it, let's just stick with verbal for the moment. When you're in a meeting with someone, uh, you know, a, a, a sales conversation of some sort, you want to help them get where they want to go. So mm-hmm. in the ideal, you kind of mirror how they interact. And I'm not saying that you change dramatically what you do, but the way I always think about it is it's like a feeling. I feel like I have all these little sensors on my body and I'm like, (laughs) like, what am I getting from this group? I'm getting hostility over here. I'm getting excitement over here. This one's ready to fall asleep. You know, so you, you, you pay attention to that and you adjust your language to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And that's a much more complicated um, I don't want to say game to play, but it, it's certainly a different game to play than the rules of grammar. You know? Yeah, it's different. Definitely. Right. So, so that was the very, the topmost level is kind of like this clinging to rules in an attempt to deliver perfection in one realm, hoping that it's going to produce a result in another realm where you're really playing the wrong game. Uh, the next level down is specifically about, about the, the grammar itself. And well, I guess I started to touch on it there. It's like it's like you can adjust your language uh, in different ways to try and get a result. Yeah, that's the point we, that we sort of I sort of blended together the two levels. Um, the first one is just about not being perfect and and playing the right game to get the outcome that you want. And then the second level, we started talking about language specifically and how maybe using different language or shocking language or poetic or metaphorical that isn't isn't perfect grammar uh, can can be useful in you know if you know what you're doing I suppose like in the right hands Mm -hmm. that can uh, be more effective at getting the outcome you want you're not looking for an a plus on a book report you know you're trying to get someone to change you're trying to get someone to make a decision you're trying to get them to do the action that you believe will get them what they want so uh, you know limiting yourself to perfect grammar to do that uh, I don't It just feels limiting to me. It feels like you're tying your hands behind your back. The example I kept visualizing when you were saying that was a preacher, you know, somebody (laughs) up in the pulpit, and they're not typically doing perfect grammar. They're in the moment. They're emotional. Mm -hmm. They may be not they perhaps are not listening because they're preaching. So it's a different than being, say, a consultant in a sales conversation. But there's that that element. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, repetition and volume, like all the other things that go into it. And you're not thinking about like, oh, is there a dangling preposition? You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other thing from the email uh, was that I used a specific example of why you might use bad grammar and that it could it could cause someone, the listener to underestimate you. And so a lot of people were like, well, doesn't it just make me look unprofessional if I do that? And and. You know, my response to that is like, can you think of no situation where you'd want someone to underestimate you or at least picture you on a l- lower pedestal than you may be on or feel like you're on? And so the obvious situation here would be if you were negotiating with someone uh, and you and you, you know, I don't love this example, but if you want it, if you wanted them to underestimate you in a negotiation at playing dumb by or, or giving the impression that, you know, you're maybe less savvy than you are would be a thing someone might do that is certainly something you could do but i was thinking of it more like you what you just said rochelle where you're you're trying to 
become more relatable to someone. So you don't want to, there are situations where you don't want to come across high status, like you're on a pedestal, if that was, is going to intimidate the other person or make them feel lesser or is going to uh, scare them off or feel like this isn't for them, you know, so Oh, yeah. classic, classic example. So you go to a meeting with a, say, Fortune 500 style company, and you go into an office with somebody who's arranged it so their desk is higher than yours, their <laughs> chair is higher than yours, and you go yeah. in and you feel like a midget, like sitting yeah. down, like, you know, a supplicant. Somebody mm-hmm. like that is not going to respond well to a high status. They, But they can respond, not always, but they can respond to asking questions. Yeah, in other exactly. words, when you ask questions, exactly it, it makes do. us sound not as intelligent because we're not coming in with all the answers. That kind of person is the one who's going to always poke a hole in any argument you give. So asking them questions and not playing the status game, but kind of, you know, kind of serving it up to them. Now, that's yeah. not saying you want to work with them, but right, that, right, that would right. be a way to communicate with them. Yeah, it's a total judo move where like, okay, this person wants to be high status, so I'll, I'll let them and right. I'll and I'll do the judo move of just asking them questions and giving them all the rope to prove to themselves uh, and and me whether or not there's a good fit and not try and, and fight it head on hard style like, no, I'm higher status than you. Like Orin Klaff's book, Pitch Anything, is a perfect example of someone who would just go head on and try and be higher status. It's hilarious. So, uh, but yeah, but that's a great example. But I was even thinking of things like, you know, if you're talking to um, kids or maybe a, a junior employee or something and 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 you want for them to grow or or do the right thing or get what they want. And it's all about communicating it to them in a way that is going to be digestible and to, in my opinion, not activate that status roles um trigger you know that Mm, to to make them to help them feel peer level and not sub part like sub status or like uh what's the word not subservient but like you know lower you don't want them to feel lower right so it's like in a scenario where you do want to again it's all about communication and helping the other person get what they want so if you know, sticking to some rules, whether it's grammar or something you read about on how to run a sales call or, you know, whatever the rules are that you that you feel like apply in the scenario. It's about knowing when to go off book and improvise in order to help the other person to communicate your idea in a way that will produce action in the other person. Yes. That's that point, though. It's not about us. It's about mm-hmm. getting the action. Well, I suppose it's about us in the sense that you want to get the action that you want, but it's really about trying to get that reaction out of the other person. And yeah. y- you're going to do what you believe it's going to take to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I felt like some of the pushback or some of the, the, the more pointed questions that I got about it were, uh, you know, the, the sort of that's crazy. You know, how would you ever apply that in business? That'll make me look unprofessional. I think some of that, not all of it, but some of it, it felt like it came from the same place that creates hoity-toity web pages with like big language and using mm-hmm. we when it's only one person and trying to trying to like punch above their weight with vocabulary and stuff. And and uh, I was just like, yeah, you know, I don't like that either, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's it has to tie into brand as well, right? 
Oh, well, that's what we were talking about before the show, because it's, it, it is, you do, you want to influence people, right? You want to lead them towards these transformations that you're making happen, but you also want to do it in your voice with your style. And that's why, and that's really, grammar is just a piece of that. Like how you say something, like I might say it with three F-bombs, probably not, but I might, whereas you might say it in a, in a more roundabout way, um, it's that's that's the key is that it's got to sound like you whether it's in writing or your actual voice so that people's experience of you is consistent that's how Mm. they grow to trust you is that they kind of expect what you're going to do or how you're going to say something Mm. yeah yeah and it i I, i'm going to keep on coming back to the whole thing about, about effectiveness like what is your goal i guarantee you nobody listening to this and nobody that got that email nobody on their has the goal of perfect grammar no one does it's just a framework you know that that maybe can like you said you know sort of define the norms of a particular culture or language in a culture or help get you out of a sticky spot where you're like i don't even understand how to construct this sentence that i'm saying Mm -hmm. but or that i want to want to say but at at the same time (laughs) i i think of this there's a book called um oh shoot i'm not gonna be able to remember the name of it but it it is completely written it's like a, it's like a book about stuff but written a book about things like planes and you know it's like a a book of nouns almost but it only uses the top 1000 words to describe the whole uh, to in the entire book they're like the top 1000 words and it describes things like the lunar landing unit using only the top 1000 words <laughs> most used words in the English language. And I think about that all the time. Like when I, you know, I write every day, I've been writing every day since 2016. And I think about that all the time. Like I got a 710 or something on my English SATs. Like I have better vocabulary than I use in my emails. So, but it's purposely, and and this is, this is general advice, like uh, the Strunk book, um, the Zinzer book, Stephen King. If you read any of these on writing books, it's like, Use the simplest possible word that is accurate for what you're trying to say. There's no good reason to pump up your your line. You're just going to lose people. You're automatically going to lose people. And I, I think this is different than dumbing it down. I think this is similar to yeah. d- design. It's like take away everything possible but nothing more. And I feel the same exact way with language. It's like if it just say dog. If it's a dog, just say dog. It doesn't need to be like a canine creature, you know, like or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like fonts in design, right? It's yeah. one, it, it, you, they just speak. They have yeah. something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although you know, I, I have to, I feel this need to just throw in this one little case that doesn't apply here, okay. but I can't help myself. And that is, there's certain kinds of literature that is just poetic that I just adore, mm-hmm. and but the audience for that is small. Right. If you're trying to convince, like if you're a politician, that's not going to work. That kind of language is not going to bring people over to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's there's a place for it, you know, and and I think that's kind of the point when we talk about brand and we talk about your niche. Who's your audience? How do they speak? How do they communicate? What kinds of words do they use over and over again? What kinds of words are too big and too much? Mm hmm. Yeah, I do want to hammer on the point that it's not about dumbing it down. It's more about like simple simplifying like design. Because I think I think that is a very attractive concept to people. And yeah, I mean, anybody on my list, I'm, I don't 
think I can't remember the last time I sort of diverged off of of you know this email is for people in business you know it's 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 not for someone who's trying to write Wuthering Heights <laughs> it's right. not my advice for right. um you know and, and I'm sure editors who are on the list probably cringe but you know I just feel like that's a, I don't know. I think that's a different case. You know, it's definitely, I, I definitely meant the comment, the email to be read in the context of business. And yeah, so. Well, plus if, I just have to make this comment about dumbing it down. There, there, and I agree with you. The problem with thinking of things as dumbing it down is there's judgment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so much smarter than my audience. I need to dumb it down for the little people. <laughs> like that's sort of like what I hear when somebody says that. So yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah. this is really more about simplicity and getting the result that you want. Yeah, right. I want I want the message to like mainline into the person's brain. I don't want it to have to go through a translation phase or like even a, especially not like let me look that word up. I want it. To, I want it. I often describe it like I like short messages using powerful, a.k.a. simple, straightforward, you know, words that it's like what I always say to people. It's like it's too late. It's like you it's too late. You can't archive my email and read it later. You already read the whole thing. It's too late. (laughs) (laughs) It's already in your head. I like snuck into your head before you could even archive the thing. And that is that that I think has a lot to do with um with, uh, I don't want to say the success of my list, but like the reason I, people are, uh, it's a common question. Like, how do you get away with emailing every single day? And it's like, because every day people are glad that they read it. So they come back. So how can you make them glad that they read it? It needs to get to the point and get it across and, and it's too late. Like they already read it. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) There's no extra processing. It's like, it's like injected straight into the gray matter. So, um, I don't know, maybe I don't. Okay. So let's, let's flip this around. Is this just my style and personality or do you think this is, you know, so it only applies to other people like me, or do you think this is a general principle that is, is good to adhere to? And if so, what do you think the principle is? Well, I think actually think it's both typical consultants answer. I do think a lot of this is <laughs> is yeah is is your style. Like I like how you described it as injecting, because that is how th- your emails feel. There, if there's a long one, it's very practical, right? There's not a lot of you know artsy fartsy stuff in there. It's direct. <laughs> so that's definitely your style. Um, it isn't everybody's style, but I think that even if your audience is a highly educated, very specific niche, you still find your way of communicating with them so that you have a unique voice so they want to read it and listen to it. So as an example, if somebody wanted to read a three-page treatise on something uh, every week or so, they're not going to subscribe to yours. (laughs) They just won't. They might buy your book, Right. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to they're not going to do that. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I believe that there's you know, there's a there's an audience for everyone. If if you're niching and you're using the attributes of your brand, the attributes of your personality, the way that you synthesize and interpret information on your topic for your audience. So there's literally an unlimited number of ways you any of us could do, not any of us, but as a population, there's a literally unlimited number of ways 
we can do this. Mm. And the key is to find the one that works for you. Right. Yeah. I, that's that's a great principle, right? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. It feels like um it feels like there is a there is a branding thing happening here where where you know, having the no artsy fartsy, no BS, straight to the point, almost um, blunt language mm-hmm. is going to turn off certain people. It's going to be too harsh or aggressive or whatever for their constitution, and that's fine. You know, as for they're the not your people, list, right? And and you know, at the end of the day, the mailing list is where I would is where I attract coaching students from, and if they're not comfortable with the way I would talk, which is exactly how I write, I, I, I take great pains to write the way I talk. I like I often will read an email out loud to make sure that that is how I would say it. And if and if I yeah. edit it when I'm saying it, I'll change that in the text as well. And yeah, so that gives people the right impression. So it'll drive away people for whom I would be super annoying. And uh, and the, what's left is the people who are not annoyed by my personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could it's take a it a little list. bit further than that. <laughs> not just that they're not annoyed, but they might actually appreciate it. Right. Yeah. But that's and just sidebar. Reading aloud materials that you send to your audience is a great habit. I do the same thing because it's it just you find things when you say it out loud and you're almost hearing it the way the listener reads it right. that way. I did mm-hmm. that on my whole book to try and make sure that it was targeted correct yeah that is a that is a really powerful tip so it, i find that it's um i mean not to get too tactical here but i find that um a little if you let a little time pass even an hour because mm-hmm. i don't have anybody edit my stuff or whatever so it's like if i w- if i can write something or especially if i have it in my write a you know sometimes i'll write like an email and then I'll know immediately what the follow-up one's going to be, but I don't have a scheduling system. So I'll, I'll want to write it while it's still fresh in my mind and I'll just leave it in my email draft. And when I come to it the next day, it's, it's just all of the, you know, if I have a typo or a clumsy sentence, it just jumps off the page at me because there's, because I kind of forgot it. And then mm-hmm. I read it with fresh eyes and, and read it out loud. And, and the, the, I do, it, it's tempting. It can be tempting to say like, you know, write it in a slightly more formal style than you would actually say. But then when you read it out loud and it feels clumsy on your lips, I say change it to the clum- the change it to the way you would say it, even if yes. it's less perfect or if it's um what's what's the word? dumber. I mean, it's just like you know, it's I don't know. Just stri- it, more straightforward. You're taking out the extraneous and you're keeping what matters. Yeah, but it's it sometimes it, often often means that I use sentence fragments or a yes. word that sounds better but isn't necessarily as accurate, like poor versus bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, maybe it stems from, you know, I, my, my college degree is in songwriting, right? So I'm a little bit, I am used to taking license with language and switching it to something that sounds better, even if it's not technically correct. You know, it yes. could be the, the rhythm of it. It could be the, the specific word choice. Uh, it could be a contraction or I use tons of contractions. Like, like if I ever do get an editor for one of my self-published books, it was going to be a fight. <laughs> oh, l- let me tell you on mine and I yeah. have a great editor, but she changed a bunch of stuff that I changed back. And because yeah. I knew it wasn't grammatically correct, but I wanted it that way. 
Yeah, it's it was, on purpose. I wanted to make the point that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, a great example. It's like, no, you're taking the life out of this passage. You, you've you've taken all the it it becomes not always I mean but sometimes it can really make a a, a paragraph that crackles just flat just yeah. like ugh. now having said that do hire an editor because I yeah. had no idea how often I wrote the word actually or <laughs> really <laughs> I needed the editor and I very much appreciated her work yes that is another one that you can sometimes catch when you say it out loud but uh yeah that's a good that's a good one yeah all right so I, don't, I feel like so for, for the for the folks who were scratching their heads about this on my mailing list hopefully this can serve as a uh, as some kind of explanation maybe um hopefully they don't feel like i'm waffling or like sneaking out from underneath what the point what they thought the point was but yeah i i i my favorite is the highest most meta point which is if words are coming out of you you have a goal like you there's i don't remember where i read this but like if how can you tell if a human wants something their mouth is moving so (laughs) (laughs) right and And if what you want is for the listener or the reader or the viewer to do something, then the most important thing is producing that action. And that can mean altering the language that you use. It often means altering the language you use to translate it into something that is going to produce that result. And and using the rules of grammar overlaying on top of your uh, your your actual goal, the reason why you're producing words or talking is because it is just tying your it's just like extra rules that it's like look maybe in seventh grade yeah you needed to learn grammar or whatever or maybe you are an editor and then okay fine but you know consultants on this list in this audience that are listening to this podcast they they're not known for being a grammarian and or you know they certainly don't want to be sound like a pedant if that's how you say that (laughs) be pedantic uh it's it's about helping the client get where they want to go. And if your client only speaks Spanish, then you better darn well speak Spanish. If your client runs a uh, a fork truck company and has very is very plain spoken blue collar kind of language, you might want to speak their language a little bit more than your you know your Harvard educated hoity toity artsy fartsy approach. <laughs> Maybe you're just a bad fit, but you know what I mean? It's like... I do. Yeah, okay. I I mean, a way to think about this is, is let's take it higher than grammar and call it language. That language is part of the toolkit of a consultant, of Mm -hmm. anyone who's trying to make transformational change in an audience, whether you're with them in person, whether you're writing something, whether you're sending an email, whether it's your website. It's a really important part of, of how you're communicating with them. Mm. Yeah, it's critical. And yeah, and just, to, and you don't want to go off brand. Like you wouldn't go so far to be off brand, I, I think, because that would just be like, oh, this, this is not a great fit. If I mm-hmm. have to, if I have to be all artsy fartsy and high vocab and all that to like close a deal or something, um, that's that, or whatever it is, whatever would be totally out of character, then pr- that's just not a good fit but there you've got leeway you know there's like yeah. there's like a where you're still you but you are you're emphasizing a particular aspect of uh of your communication style in the moment to try and help the other person or or get on their level or 
um, just communicate the message more effectively. And that well, can, I also, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, to look for examples of this, notice how you talk to your clients versus your spouse versus your kids versus your parents versus uh, a barista. You know, it, and you'll see that you don't always use the exact same approach. Sometimes you're more casual. Casual, that's, mm -hmm. that is a word I have not mentioned yet, but that's, to me, that's kind of like how I feel when I'm not being grammatically correct. I feel like I'm being casual or conversational. Mm -hmm. So you're going to notice that in certain situations, you're more formal and in other situations, you're you're less formal or more casual. Uh, those are all real. Those are all you. You're not being a phony in any of those cases. And so I guess I guess the a, a big point of the email or a takeaway from the email would be it's possible in your business, you could be more casual than it, instead of just sort of being like, I have to be professional, I have to be formal. Um, it, you know, it, it could be that it would be more effective for you to be a little bit less formal, um, certainly in conversation, maybe in, in print too, though, like email or uh, possibly website. I, I feel like there's another aspect of this, and the only word I can think of is confidence, hmm. that the reverse is probably true as well, that you have people that feel like, oh, I must speak up here. But there are also people who are, whose natural style is more casual and conversational and they're reluctant to try and communicate with a, let's say, a highly educated audience. I mean, I think of an example of two people I know uh, who are brilliant at what they do. I mean, like literally among the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And neither one of them has a college degree. Mm -hmm. So who cares? But they are really sensitive to it. And if uh -huh. there's a situation where it somehow plays into that, th their confidence goes down. Hmm. Yeah. So I think it goes both ways is kind of my point. I think okay. we tend to think more often of that we're trying to inflate ourselves with language. But the other is we might decide, well, I can't go after that audience. I can't go after an audience of doctors. I remember the first time I, I, I met a, a, a neurosurgeon with my work. And I was pretty intimidated by him for the first like three minutes. And then I realized, you know, we're really not that different. He's just really smart about something that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And but you can use that to not pursue an audience that you really would like to help. So I, I just want to get that kind of shadow side in there. Yeah, that's true. I could see that. All right. Well, this was a this is I think this was a quick one. Do we have more to say on this? Or is it? Uh... Am I? I feel like I'm already repeating myself. So, <laughs> I, I have no more to add. <laughs> All right, folks. Which almost never happens. <laughs> Speechless. All right, folks. We're gonna let you off the hook easy this time. <laughs> to listen to our bad grammar anymore. Sorry, sorry. Just this. Just grammar. this one time. Poor grammar. Yes. Poor mm, grammar. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the business of authority. Bye. Bye-bye.